Welcome back to Let Freedom Reign Podcast, the official equine industry podcast of Day 6 Ranch. I'm your host, Jason Swick, and on this show, we discuss leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship from topics and perspectives exclusive to the equine industry. If you are looking to build a legacy-worthy lifestyle, we encourage you to visit day6ranch.com and explore our free content, other podcasts, and sign up for our monthly newsletter. We thank you for joining us on this adventure. Welcome, everybody, to another week here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Hey, we have some exciting news about our VIP experience at the Fort Worth Mustang Show on September 9th. Earlier this week, we had a conversation with Dan James of Double Dan Horsemanship, and he agreed to attend the VIP experience as our special guest. Dan will join us during our VIP reception hour, tag along for the tour, and help out with our Q&A as we conclude the event. Since Dan was featured in episode 36 of Let Freedom Reign Podcast all the way back in April of 2019, He's been an incredible mentor, huge supporter of Day 6 Ranch, and I am blessed to call him friend. Now this week on the Freedom Rain Podcast, we feature Mark Lyon of Lyon Horsemanship. Mark is an absolute wealth of knowledge who has literally traveled the world teaching horsemanship. In this episode, we dive into a very valuable component of his training program, which is the development of relationship between the horse and rider. You can find great video content from Mark on his YouTube channel titled Lions Share. And that's L-Y-O-N apostrophe S. To get connected with Mark Lyon or schedule him for a clinic, you can visit lionhorses.com. Again, we cannot thank you enough for your continued support of Let Freedom Reign podcast and the consistent growth of Day 6 Ranch. To stay up to date on all we have going, visit day6ranch.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter. We hate to keep you all waiting. Here is our conversation with Mark Lyon. All right, well, we're going to start this episode in a little bit different format. Um, we're going to start with a game. Where in the world is Mark Lyon today? So I want all you listening right now, take a second, think of a place somewhere in the world that Mark Lyon could be teaching horses because he has a very, very expansive resume in traveling the world and teaching horsemanship. And then Mark, I want you to give us the answer. Where in the world is Mark Lyon today? I am in Michigan today. Michigan. Where Left. in Michigan? Yep. A lady that used to intern with me yeah. lives up here, and so I came up to, to hang out with her for a couple of days and help her with a couple of horses, and so it's it's a little, little tiny town. Fentonville is, is probably the closest town <laughs> by Sagatuck. Sagatuck is one of them. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty close to the river. If you know where Holland, Michigan is, it's not too far from Holland. Perfect. So being that you're in small town, Michigan, and given yeah. that you travel the world and teach horsemanship, it's fair to say that most people listening had a 0% chance of getting that right. So uh, I guess my apologies yeah. for setting you all up for failure, but uh, we're going to get into this episode here with Mark we're, Lyon. If, if people know me, they know since it's in the middle of summer, I'm probably somewhere cool. Yes, I'll not Texas. Somewhere, that would have been north. my answer, yes, not Texas. Not, not Texas, <laughs> yep. Exactly. Good stuff. Well, Mark, I'll tell you, with your busy schedule and all the traveling that you do, I can't thank you enough for uh, setting some time aside to jump on the phone and have some uh, laughs and share some life with us on the Freedom Rain podcast. And I like to start most episodes with a little bit of my guest's history because we do have a fan base from all over the world and some are in the Western industry and some are in the, the English realms and we have everybody in between. So, why don't you share a little bit about your history, maybe your start with horses and, and kind of the progression, and we'll see where the episode goes from there. Well, I did not start with horses um, when I was younger. Uh, a lot of, a lot of you know, cowboys that kind of grew up on a ranch and were multi-generational uh, ranchers and cowboys. I grew up in the middle of Nebraska uh, and, and grew up in town, and I always kind of... I like most kids. I kind of wanted to be a cowboy. Most boys, I think, have a have a dream to become a cowboy. But uh, I liked camping and hunting and outdoors and woodcraft. and And my dad was actually from Washington State, and so he, you know, did a lot of out outdoor stuff, a lot of logging and 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 camping and stuff. So I I kind of grew up learning a lot of those skills. Just loved the outdoors and and stuff like that. So kind of where I where I grew up, um, was, was homeschooled and uh, came from a pretty good sized family. There's, there's five boys and a girl. Wow. And so, I'm, and I'm the oldest. So, you know, the, oh, my dang. parents told me, yeah, my parents told me I was the example. And I said, you mean the experiment? And, uh, it was, <laughs> it's all relative. But, uh, yeah. It's all relative, you know, but yeah, I had a good time. I really liked, 
um, being homeschooled, uh, both the, the freedom and practicality of, of learning at home. Um, yeah, it was it's very efficient it was a, system. It was a fun time. Uh, yeah, uh, we, I think it taught me a lot of responsibility. Uh, we had a rule at when, uh, when my, you know, when we were homeschooling, um, if you were ahead of your, if you were ahead in your books, you, you could go to school or not go to school. Mm-hmm. And so, and so when we got, normally we got our books in July, somewhere sometime in July and it was, you know, fairly hot. So we'd, you know, and th- you got new books. So you would, you know, you'd go through the books and start reading stuff and mom and dad would go through there and they would kind of figure out where each week landed in that book, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how many pages of text you had. So, um, you know, there was normally a little, a little bookmark on there that said, we, you know, week 10, you know, whatever the, the date was. And so, um, yeah, if you wanted to take the day off and go hunting with your friends or go camping or go play outside or something, you'd say, Hey, you know, I think I'm going to take the day off. And, you know, mom would be like, let's see your books. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she'd check it and go, good to go. Have a good time. That is so oh, cool. So, yeah. And then if of course you didn't, then you got up with dad in the morning at about six 30 and you sat at the kitchen table and, uh, till, till you went to bed that night. So you got was caught up on of, your you books. Know, if, yeah. Yeah, and then you're like, hey, you're behind, so there's no, there's no quitting at three o'clock. There's no, so it was, it was really good. I learned a lot of responsibility and self motivation and and stuff like that. So it was, it was good. So when in the progression, or when in your in your young childhood, did they did the horse start to play a role? Or yeah, I started. Um, yeah, we had a homeschool. Um, support group it was probably more of a support group for for the moms than it was the kids uh, but the kids got together and and played together and and the you know the moms and and um they kind of got together and and talked about stuff and how we our kids you know their kids were probably driving them crazy but um i made friends with some guys uh i was 14 15 and with some farm kids and so you know, they had horses. So pretty soon I would, you know, Hey, I want to go out to their place and, and spend the weekend or whatever. So I started riding there and, you know, I, and I'd always, always loved it and liked that kind of stuff. Just didn't have a, you know, we just weren't, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so couldn't afford a boarded horse in town. And, and so, yeah, just going out there is when I first started, I was like probably 15, 16. And it was just kind of with some, some buddies that, you know, had some horses and, you know, I just climb on one and we'd go riding around and, and uh, that was that was kind of the start of it. And then you know, I, re- I just liked being, you know, the horses. I liked the mental aspect of it, the, you know, teaching them, training them. I uh, taught some obedience uh, for dogs and, and stuff like that. So I kind of liked training animals and, and teaching them how to do stuff. So I think that's kind of where, like I say, the, the, for me, horses started about, you know, 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept getting a little better, a little better learned a lot of stuff early on that was probably not correct, you know, and, and then had to go back and fix it later. But, you know, at that time you don't know any different. So, you know, somebody tells you, Oh, when the horse does this, you do that. And, and yeah, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And then, you know, like I say, after I started getting a little better and got some different skills and, and, and went to some clinics, then I thought, Oh man, that's, that was not, that was not exactly the best, the best advice. So, you know, you bring up so, a great yeah. hurdle in the learning process as far as horsemanship goes, and I experienced it uh, very much like you describe is where, I mean, we all kind of do the best that we can. And uh-huh. you come to a point where you're not getting the results that you want, so you seek a greater education, whether that be in the form of clinics or, I mean, gosh, there's so many online curriculums now that you just yeah. jump online and start to grow that horsemanship. And it's funny to me, even my grandfather, and I've spoke about this instance on the show before, is... I mean, he was in his 80s and came to me. And at first, when I started the horsemanship thing and pursuing the education and understanding, you know, how the horse thinks and and how they view the world and how we can kind of influence that and be a part of that as a human or a trainer, uh, he obviously thought it was like a black magic woo-woo type thing. And it was just kind of too far out there. And then he started to see the transformation take take place in the horses. And he came to me and said, man, watching you work horses and watching you pursue this education, it makes me think back on, on my career and how many horses that I probably flat ruined. And yeah. I, I told him, Hey, you know, it's, you were doing the best with what you could at the time. It's not that you were out there maliciously trying to wreck horses out, but this is yeah. just the ebb and the flow of any industry. And this is the ebb and the flow of education is that 
we should try to take theory and principle, be critical of it, apply it and, and make appropriate changes. If we can find a, a better way to deploy a training technique or theory, then, then why not pursue it? You know, the old, the old ways of forcemanship uh, don't have to be anymore. There's so many different ways that you can do it. And there's so many quality horsemen and women out there to learn from that uh, we don't really have an excuse to not find an answer. Yeah. There's, you know, man, it's, you hit on so many things, you know, and I, I can be a little hypocritical here because I do have a YouTube channel, but I tell people, you know, YouTube's really good for a lot of things. And if you want to learn how to, you know, change the timing belt on your 97, you know, Ford F-250, that's a good place to go. It's a lot of times um, not as good for horse, horse training videos because there's so many, there's so many, stuff on there that's like, you know, just not, just not very good education. But, um, yeah, there's a bunch. The nice thing is, is there is a bunch of education out there. And if you, if you go in, you're seeking it, you will find it. You, it, yeah. you know, it's a little bit like, it's probably a little bit like Christianity. You can't be in the United States and try to find Christianity and not find it. it you might not find a super good version of it, or you might not find the, the, <laughs> Fair be- enough. the best version, Fair the enough. best version for you. But if you keep looking for it, you will find it. They're yeah. just, they're just, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you got to work through the weeds and that's for darn sure. Cause yeah. well, I mean with the horses, right? A lot of it is timing yeah. and feel and things of that sort. And that's stuff yeah. that you don't necessarily have the ability to see in a video or, Maybe you do right. catch it in a video, but there's follow-up questions to that. So obviously there's right. interaction with the rider, the instructor that needs to take place. And yeah. uh, I think to your point, I think maybe uh, the online education or I'm going to just say YouTube type platform is a great way to kind of maybe orient yourself within a learning yeah. space. But yeah, pursuing some form of paid or professional education, whether that be you know a paid online curriculum or getting yourself to a clinic where you're one-on-one working with a, a clinician is definitely the most advantageous because um, I'm a huge believer that experiential learning kind of is the way to go. Yeah, it takes a little bit of both. It takes some, you know, some education and then also some experience. Um, mm-hmm. And like I say, just because you watched a bunch of videos, even though they were really good videos, it doesn't mean that you can go out there and perform the brain surgery. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, good stuff. So as your career's progressed, you've had many opportunities to train all over the world and you teach various disciplines and aspects of horsemanship. I want to spend some time on maybe a place that you got to teach horsemanship where you never thought would be possible when you first started down this road. Uh, that would easily be, um, overseas. You know, I never, I never thought, Oh, I'm going to go overseas and teach and teach horsemanship. And, and, uh, uh, a few a few years ago, got to um, actually, I thought it was a scam call. I uh, got an email, and and of course, you know, it's it's a guy from Namibia says, "Hey, I want to hire you to come over and train some horses." And I thought, mm-hmm. "Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a yeah, exactly. The the prince has got some gold somewhere, you yeah. know." And so, but you know, I was like, oh, you know, I mean, it could be possible." And so we. I emailed him back a couple times and he called me and, and uh, I said, well, how did you find out about me? And he said, uh, uh, Martin Black recommended you. And uh, Martin Black was a guy that I had, had spent some, you know, spent some time with. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so, yeah, I'm sure I wasn't the only one on the list, but I may have been the only one that called him back. So, yeah. so, uh, anyway, got to go to South Africa and Namibia and, and, uh, and it's been, it's been a pretty cool very cool experience um they're they're really hungry for education and and knowledge over there so it's been that's been probably one of the coolest places i've got to go or the most unusual since going down the the horsemanship journey you know i thought i never thought in my wildest dreams that hey i'd be going to going to africa to to teach people about horses and what are you teaching while you're down there? I mean, is there a specific discipline or a style or, or where are they at in their education? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Um, like I say, they're probably like here. Most people, you're just doing horsemanship. You're just learning, mm-hmm. look, I, the horse needs to go where you tell it, you know, and, and be uh, somewhat compatible with with what you want it to do. Um, they use a lot of theirs for ranch stuff. They have a lot of big, uh, it's a little bit like New Mexico it's upper desert mm-hmm. 
um, terrain, and so they have a lot of they have a lot of acreages that they're that they're managing. So so they, in fact, I helped them get a ranch horse association started. So they have a African Ranch Horse Association, I think is what it's called. But wow, um, yeah, it's it's kind of helped them based on the based on the versatile ranch horse deal that mm-hmm. the U.S. has. And so that's normally the the group that brings us over, and then we just do a bunch of clinics on whatever people want to people want to do. Some of it's more reining, some of it's more cow horse, some of it's more roping, some of it's just more um, just ho- basic horsemanship and getting colt started and stuff like that. So, so mostly a, Western. I was yeah. to say there's a full set of needs over there. It's not like you're just oh, teaching yeah. ranch horse or reining or a specific discipline. No, they're. Um, I would say generally they're they use it more on the ranch. Like they're mm-hmm. actually going out and, and, and working cattle and, and rounding and driving cattle and doing some roping. But they also have that um, association that kind of, they are competitive and, and try to get better. And so that, that I think that competition kind of helps them strive towards getting a little bit better. And that, and that of course helps them be better at home when they're, when they're working cows and stuff. Yeah. And so it was, it was pretty like the first time I went over there, it was, it was African, like it was. Yeah, yeah I was going to say it, was, it just described to us the 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 terrain, the environment. I mean, this is probably not yeah the, teaching horses in Texas. Um, yeah, the ranch I went to uh, was Ranch Coimasas was the first ranch that I went to, and it's uh, right around one hundred fifty thousand acres. Oh wow! And so yeah, like you pulled off the and, and Namibia has more gravel roads than. I, mean, I drove on more gravel roads when I was in when I was there for that month than I did like the whole rest of the year. Wow. And, I mean, I you know we drive some gravel roads, but there you would drive four hours on a gravel road. Holy like, smoke! So main, it's really really that remote. Was the main. Yeah, it's just not, not very populated. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just you know. So you'd yeah, we turned off the road, and I think it was two and a half two hours by the time you turned off the road till you got to headquarters. Wow. Sounds like Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> six, six, six gates later, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've been oh, on a gravel well, road for four a... hours now. It's time to yeah, change something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. the that was it. Yeah, we they, they had when I first got there, they would rope. They would rope stuff, but only if it was big enough you could take it down by hand. So, like, you would one of the guys would rope it, and then they would send, you know the you know as many of the the local natives down the rope to basically dog pile it until it there were so many on it it couldn't stand up and it would go to the ground and then they would doctor it or or do whatever they needed to do so it was it was um yeah it's cool to me the versatility of horsemanship and um i obviously have traveled a fraction of the world compared to you but to see how universal the horsemanship is and how impactful it can be through so many different nations and places and people that it's just it's pretty darn cool how yeah yeah, we're all trying to get better at horses but there's definitely a direct relationship between you improving you improving your horse and then you improving the life and the community and the culture around you yeah it's it's super neat to watch you know just just the you know, just the improvement that, you know, they come there not knowing very much. And then you show them some stuff and they're like, oh, and then, you know, you come here the next time and everything's like just amazingly better. You know, like, yeah. the, you know, the, the their horses are better, you know, their the cows are better, they're they're getting doctored better. It's just it's just amazing how, you know, like I say, it's universal. It's just. Yeah, yeah. So, in a big part of your horsemanship and what you teach is predicated on relationships. So, I want you to kind of build out your views on how relationship is one of the founding principles in what you teach and kind of how you developed and came to that that formation or idea or thought. I guess the 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 one of the first clinics I went to was Buck Branneman and and he had a little saying that said horses and life it's all the same to him and and I kind of like that, that deal. And the more I'm around horses and the more I'm trying to teach people, I, I find that's just more and more true. It's just the relationship between you and that horse. And, and really it's our, our whole environment is built on relationships between 
between us and our husband or wife, between us and our kids, between bosses and employees, between friends. Um, you know, it's, it's all based on that relationship. And, and we have different relationships with different people. Like my next younger brother has a different relationship with me than he has with his younger brother. So he's got an older brother that he has a slightly different relationship with than his younger brother. And, and, you know, so I've got, we all have different relationships with, with different people and different that we have to kind of, each one of them is a little different. And the same thing with our, with our horses, our horses, we have a relationship with. And, and for me, it's just getting that relationship right. If you have a proper relationship between you and, and your horse, where your horse isn't thinking he's the boss of you and he also doesn't think he's scared of you. So having that right, you know, that right Mm -hmm. thought process in there and, and relationship. And once we get that, then, man, it's, it's super easy to, to progress. And if you, if it's not right, it's hard to get better. You know, that horse is either worried about you or he thinks he's the boss and you can't tell him what to do. And so on either side of it, it's not, it's not very good. So for me, it's just teaching, trying to teach people the relationship or, or identifying where maybe they need to adjust that relationship with their horse right now. And then maybe why that is maybe, maybe they're a little bit too much of a, of a pushover or they're too empathetic about the, maybe the horse's point of view. And then also at the same time, maybe somebody else isn't, doesn't really see it from the horse's point of view. And so he's too dogmatic or um, too dictatorial. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just trying to, yeah, just trying to find out the, the right balance between in that relationship is, is kind of what I kind of work on. And like I say, it's, it's, it's fun to see people change, Number one with their horse stuff, but also with uh, in their own lives. You know, the other relationships that they have will also will also change and get better. And it's it's also fun to see that too, because they'll be like, "Oh man, I, you know, my I got my horse better, and my my kids started listening to me too." And it's like, "Oh wow, well, <laughs> imagine, imagine that! Imagine that! Imagine that! Yeah. <laughs> oh, congratulations!" Yeah. It is a, uh, and this is why we push the the experiential learning. Like, yeah, you can go online and there's plenty of plenty of material to consume, but getting out there and getting a feeling for the horse and the pen and the environment, the energy and all that stuff has a yeah. profound effect on the way those lessons are delivered and managed. And yeah. you bring up a good point that finding that balance, and correct me if any of this is wrong, finding that balance comes through the experiential learning process. That's not something that you can necessarily get from a book or video or traditional learning methods. Uh, We can read about how to improve a relationship with our horse. We can read about different aspects of horse training or watch videos on it. But until you really get out in the pen and get a feel for the deployment of that education, uh, you're kind of at a standstill. So uh, explain to me kind of how how you take that approach in developing your clients while you're in that clinic or learning type environment? Um, I, I, I try to use analogies a lot. Like I try to find something that they can understand mm-hmm. that they have a concept of and then, and then use that in an analogy so that they can, they can figure it out. It's kind of like, I guess, you know, Jesus taught in parables a lot. I was going to say, it's horsemanship parables. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, it's like, I tell people almost everything you say is right. And then almost everything you say can also be at the same time wrong. And so it's like, well, look, he, you know, the horse, you know, the horse needs this. Yes. You know, it's like, like, well, it depends on when and and where and and how much. And, and so, you know, trying to teach uh, people, I just, I I use a lot of analogies and I also use a lot of like basic principles. Like for Mm -hmm. me, I try to, I have what I call them foundational principles or whatever. And it's a little bit like uh, laws of physics. It's like, look, we know that, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to build a bridge. You can build a suspension bridge or you could build pier and beam, or you could build a truss or you could build an arch or there's lots of different ways. And it depends on what materials and, and equipment you have at the, at your disposal, which one's going to be the right one for your application. Mm-hmm. But, you know, no matter what, we know that, Hey, the forces imposed on that, on you crossing that, with that span is is going to be subject to the laws of physics. And so, 
you know, for me, I start off at the basics and I go, well, you know, how does a, how does a horse learn? You know, okay. Uh, one of my favorites is, um, I tell them, how does a horse learn? And they say, well, pressure and release. And I said, okay, good. And I said, there's another one. And they said, oh, repetition. I said, oh, good. Okay. So we know it's pressure and release and repetition. They go, yeah. I said, okay. So if I ask you a question, like, uh, this was one that Martin used to say, he'd say, Hey, uh, spell me your name. And they would spell their name. And then he would ask them again, spell me your name. And they would give him a slightly different answer. And then he would say, spell me your name. And he would just, and then either they would shut down or they would try to try to figure out what he was, what he was asking. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I would, I tell people, look, the problem is, is if you keep repeating, if you keep too much repetition, the horse will decide maybe that's not what you wanted. Maybe you kept asking me the question. So obviously that's not the answer you mm-hmm. wanted. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you ask a kid, hey, what's two plus two? And he says four. If you wait two weeks to ask him again, you know, he's he's not going to be any better at it. You know, he, he still may have to count on his fingers to get to four. So if you say good, I'm going to ask you again in 10 minutes. So you remember that and then you ask him again and then you ask him again in another 10 minutes pretty soon you can ask him 20 or 30 times during the course of a day and he gets better at it so it's like look yes you need repetition also too much repetition is bad also pressure and release is good also too much release (laughs) they forget what they were supposed to do so it's like there's a balance and that's i think that's you know probably the the skill that we're all lacking in or we're all trying to find is the balance you know it's finding you know we're either too far one way or we're too far the other way and and so we're i think when you first start out you go to uh you're a two and then you become a eight and then you know then you go back to the two again and then you become a nine and i think the the better we get at horse training the we're still not in i don't think i'm in balance but i'm only a four and a half to a five and a half Correct. Yeah, I'm only a, you know, I'm 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 just a little bit too strict with that horse, and then I'm just a little bit too lenient with the next horse, and so I'm, I'm I'm still not in perfect balance, but we're way closer to balance. We don't swing as erratically from yeah, the margin one is a lot, to the is other. a lot tighter. Right. Yeah. No, that's a right. great that's a great way to build that out, and I think for me in the learning process is that the sooner people realize, and this was a lesson that I had to personally learn myself, is that the sooner that you realize the power of your influence or that you are in fact the problem, uh, Mm -hmm. and the sooner we learn to objectively get over that fact, then you start to really have some fun and then you really start to experiment with some things. And to your point, let's say you're too quick or too heavy handed on a horse. Uh, You can sit there and play poor me. You know, I was a jerk, I was mean, I missed the mark. Or you can just get over it and try to be a little bit more softer in your approach, right? Or right. The, the the far end of the spectrum on the other side, you know, you get to the point where those horses get kind of dangerous because they're pushing on you and you lack a little bit of accountability. Uh-huh. Well, it's time to get outside of your comfort zone and level up a little bit, provide that horse the structure that it needs because really when it comes down to it, and we've said this before on the show as well, is that love has boundaries. And yep finding the appropriate margin within those boundaries is really what we're in pursuit of. But oftentimes yeah. people, people take the negative experiences that they have in the teaching or learning process and they immediately internalize them and think, well, poor me, there's something wrong with me. I just don't get it. Maybe I can't figure this out rather than extending themselves the grace uh, that they should, that they deserve yeah. and, and yeah. really get over it. Like we've all made mistakes and we're going to continue to make uh-huh. mistakes no matter how good you get, you know, the, the, yeah. the process just becomes more and more and more refined. But that's when, yeah. that's when I see people start to really flourish is when they get over that mental block, that mental hurdle of I'm a problem, but yes, I can also influence this scenario for the better. And we've all made mistakes and we've all fallen on our face and we've all got kicked in the mouth and hopefully not literally, but, uh, <laughs> through a little grace, we can push on and we can actually serve that horse in a greater capacity. Yeah. And also, you know, I think finding out, uh, I think, and this is a big thing about finding a mentor that's, that's, that you identify with or that it can help you. Cause you know, there's a lot of people, Oh, I, I do a lot of cold starting. And so there's a bunch of people, they were like, 
they do some cult starting stuff and 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 I have a lot of people go well I want to start my cult but I don't want to I don't want to screw him up yeah and I go uh, then don't start him <laughs> yeah and they're, they're like what do you mean I go well look how many cults have you started in your life they're like well two and I said well you're probably going to screw a few up yeah like I mean I can tell you I've screwed quite a few horses up now I had to fix them after I screwed them yeah. up because you know they're they're paying me but yes. you know like if yeah if you're if you don't it if you decide you want to be a good cult starter, then you're going to have to screw a few up. But then in the process, you're going to be able to get better and better. It's like I don't know any chef that that is of any quality that hasn't made some meals that were not fit to eat. Like, yeah. you know, you just throw in the trash <laughs> and go get takeout because it's like it's not fit. Yes. It's like the dog hardly doesn't want it. It's yeah. like, OK, well, that's you know that you you have to have those mistakes and you have to do that stuff in order to get better. Um, and so figure out maybe that horse isn't the right horse for you. Maybe that one is a little bit too tough and you probably need something that's more your, in your, in your deal or, you know, or, or whatever. And so finding, I think finding a, a mentor or a coach that, that can kind of help you through that. Is it you? Is it, is that horse too tough for you? Or are you just playing the, the poor me yeah. pity party yeah. and all, you know, you're not working hard enough. And, and so, yeah, it's just trying to figure out which one, it, which one it is. And Hey, maybe you, maybe you got a, uh, you know, a, a one that wants to be a W, you know, a NFR Bronc and, and you're a 60 year old one. I want a trail ride. And <laughs> those two probably too well. to be, yeah, yeah. yeah, you might want to get a different, <laughs> different pony and and find that one a home where he's going to be more appreciated for his athletic ability because yeah. maybe he's a world champion whatever and so yeah. you know i think helping you know getting getting some good you know coaching and and having a good mentor really kind of helps helps people understand where where are you at in your horsemanship journey and what's your goal and if your goal is to you know you know you, we can help you reach your goal but you know, you, you have to decide what your goal is and how much time you're willing to put into it. And then, and then we'll, we can go from there. And, and that's a never ending process. You know, that, that, yeah. that coach and that mentor provides the affirmation when you're lacking the experience. And, and yeah, I mean, to this day, I still have a bunch of people that I call when I just get into a sticky spot and can't figure it out. And, usually I feel like a dumb, dumb a little bit at the end of that conversation. Cause it seems to be a simple fix and how did I not see it? But it's just yeah. part of it. You know, when you have a community and when you have access to industry professionals that carry that credible education and credible experience, but also have that servant's heart and are willing to pour into people because there's plenty of people out there in the horse industry that, I mean, they're going to charge you for every little thing, right? 15 minute phone yeah. call, blanket in a horse, throwing yeah. some grain down, things of that yeah. sort. People are in it for business and money. And I get it because bills have to get paid, yeah. but you really got to find that mentor with that servant's heart that's willing to pour into you. But in the same exact breath, you, you as the recipient better bring some value. I mean, you got to bring forth an effort and credible questions and work hard and really show, yeah. show the respect to the education that you've been given. I think, it, I think that, um, you know, as a, uh, I might be pulling the curtain back a little bit too far on the whole trainer deal, but I can tell you as a trainer, I am way less worried about money if the if the person's really trying. Yeah. Like if that person yeah. comes to me and you know they're working their butt off uh and they'll go how much oh yeah yeah man don't worry about it. Yeah, this one's taking care of. Help you out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know they'll they show up all the time and they're always asking for you to do most of it, you know, cuz they're instead of coming up and say hey I'm having this problem with a horse, let me show you what I'm having. The problem is they're like, hey, can you climb on my horse and tell me what's wrong? You know, and they, they yeah. You know, there's a, there's like, a distinct oh, difference okay. between helping somebody yes. and training their horse for them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes they're just not capable of doing it. And I was at a clinic last weekend and there was a girl she, and she was kind of timid and she her horse was, you know, fairly disagreeable and, mm -hmm. you know, but kind of kind of trotted sideways and slung his head and, you know, just was like, I don't have to do that. And so I was like, you mind if I ride him for a second? She was like, Oh no, love to. And so anyway, he decided he was going to go over to his buddy, which he'd rather, you know, hang out with than, than, than you. 
do our little exercise. <laughs> and so anyway, he got over there and I gave him a little couple little spankings and he decided that, you know, on second thought, we could go over here and yeah. you know, that doesn't sound like little, a bad idea. Yeah. 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 On second thought, let me reconsider. Yeah. But you know, he, it, it wasn't any big threat to me, but to her, that would have been more than she probably could have handled. And I, I'm like, Hey, look, you don't, you don't need to, you know, that 16 year old kid is twice your size and you don't need to be getting in an argument with him. You let mm-hmm. me get into an argument with him because yeah. me and him, <laughs> I'm way more situated and have way better skills than you do on how to help this young lad figure Works out that he should it. have respect for. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, I say you, you help people where they are, but yeah, the, the, the ones that are really appreciative of the, of the information you're giving them and, and, and what, what you bring to the table you know, for me anyway, that's, that's worth a ton when they, when they're, when I can help somebody and they're really appreciative of it, man, I'm like, ah, yeah, it shows what, that their hearts in I it. Can do to help. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's dang cool yeah. to, to see. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about your schedule throughout the year. You kind of follow a fairly regular pattern. Um, and then I want to talk about yeah. clinic schedules and appearances and stuff and ways people that yeah. can get connected with you. Yeah. Uh, so I spend the winter somewhere south, um, normally Texas, Arizona. I think I might go to Florida this this winter because um, it's it's pretty nice down there. Mm-hmm. I got a couple of people that want to do a little clinic down there. So, but yeah, somewhere south for the winter, and then somewhere north for the summer. So normally around April, I start heading start heading north and uh, and just kind of go up through Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, across South Dakota, um, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a, try to stay somewhere cool when it's, when it's a little hotter. Um, and, and I like doing clinics. I think that's kind of something that I enjoy doing. And, and I, I found the one-on-one, you know, I like, I like doing a clinic where you can actually show people and, and and kind of help them out a lot of them can't get away to come to a a clinic that's you know 10 12 14 hours away yeah Uh, just their work work schedule just doesn't allow it and stuff so uh, i like going around and visiting different people and it's it's fun to hang out with all some of the people that have that have interned with me and so i can kind of see them and so i get to go go hang out with them for a little while it's kind of uh for me it's rewarding to see uh, the work that I've, that I've put into, to maybe one of the younger kids or something, uh, watch them progress and succeed in their goals. And it's, it's fun to watch that. Uh, for me, that's rewarding for me when I see somebody that I've helped reach their goal. It's, it's, um, a little bit of a shot of dopamine for me too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch. And so then I get to kind of hang out with them for a couple of days and help them with whatever they need to, to do on my way to my next clinic and then uh like i say it's it's a little bit cooler weather nobody wants to i can tell you in michigan nobody wants to do a clinic in january because it's four foot of snow and then the same (laughs) thing in texas hard to get people motivated when it's 102 out in in the summer so it's like hey i'll go up here um yeah 80 80 85 is a hot day in michigan so i I would venture to say there's one truth that uh mark lyon is willing to travel for work that's for yep. darn sure. Yeah, I, I, and I like, I enjoy traveling. It's just seeing different, um, you know, I, I have to say I've been in my life. I have to say I've been really blessed with work. I've never had a job that I hated going to. You know, I've that always, is a blessing. I've done a lot of, yeah, I've, and I've had a lot of jobs. Like I've been construction worker and steam fitter and, mm-hmm. oh man, I've had a ton of different jobs and I've never had one that I was like, man, I just hate this job. Um, yeah. But I, I will have to say, right at the moment, this job is probably one of my my favorites because, you know, I get to see a lot of God's beautiful country and meet really cool people, mm-hmm. um, travel around and just, yeah, it's been, mm-hmm. it's been a, a, mm-hmm. a real blessing. That is cool. So let's talk about clinics specifically. Uh, what is a typical clinic format, specific topics or ideas uh, that you serve yep. or teach? How do those formats go of those clinics? Yeah, general. I, I would say most most of the clinics are three days, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of deal. Um, normally, we have a morning session on some topic, and then an afternoon session 
uh, what's another one, you know, maybe like trail obstacles or something in the morning. And then we might do, um, you know, something else in the afternoon, but yeah, whatever, whatever people want to learn. And it's hard to say when you say normal because I somebody asked me what does a normal day look like, and I was like, there is no normal That's, day. Yeah, there is no. <laughs> yeah, there is there is none. I do a lot of uh, cult starting on different ranches, and so when I go to uh, sometimes I'll do like private clinics for different ranches and different families and stuff like that or groups. And so you know I did one over spring break for uh, two families that have ranches, and so they kind of got together and and came in and so for spring break we did like like showed up at in the morning for breakfast and said so what do you guys want to do today and yeah. you know the first day it was like hey what let's let's do uh let's do some cattle work and so i was like perfect and so we got some cows and worked them and had a good time doing some cutting and stuff like that and and then the afternoon i was like what do you want to do now and they go we want to do cowboy mounted shooting and so we pulled the pistols out and here we go. Some balloons and what? Yeah. And <laughs> the next time, what do you want to do? Well, let's do uh, Liberty. And so, yeah, it was just, it was just, you know, it, for those, the private clinics, those are, yeah, you never know what you're going mm-hmm. to do. But we, mm-hmm. I try to, I try to let people, whoever organizes it, I try to, you know, j- just kind of let them have some freedom of, of whatever they want to do. And normally they, they talk to whoever's in the area that's, that's coming and they figure out what topics they want to learn. And, and sometimes it's more of an all day, clinic sometimes we separate it into you know the morning and afternoon session that tends to be more more popular than the than the all-day ones but yeah whatever people want that's cool that's cool so let's talk about uh social media presence and things of that sort you got a lot that you put out on facebook and then uh let's talk about your youtube channel yeah yeah i i do a little bit of of uh i'm not the the best promoter uh so it's just me so one of these days i'll find somebody that can do the the facebook stuff and and media stuff better than i can but normally i'm pretty busy doing other stuff but yeah i have a a youtube channel called lions share and it's pretty it's pretty fun i i enjoy helping people and learning um helping people learn whatever whatever it is that i know so i do a tuesday tip which is kind of more of your um just some tip that that i think might help people uh and then I do a Friday philosophy and that that's more uh, just some something, a topic on balance, how to, you know, be more balanced in your in your life. Uh, A lot of it's to do with horses. But yeah, a lot lot of just, you know, little little stuff there that, you know, people can use. Sometimes I'll put like a behind the scenes or something that's unique or kind of cool that happened or 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 whatever, just kind of a little bit behind the scenes. I think sometimes our social media becomes becomes more like a highlight reel than than what's actually happening so all actuality but you know the yeah yeah the good the bad the ugly on there uh had a my truck broke down when i was in montana a few weeks ago and so uh i did a couple of sessions on like uh getting getting that fixed and how we got around and and getting a different truck situated um i borrowed somebody's a buddy's semi to uh pull my horse trailer up there and and back so kind of says some things on how to get out of get out of trouble and yeah that's cool cool so if most people are wanting to book a clinic or are interested in what you do i know you have the newly launched lionhorses.com talk about some of the reach and yep. access that they have through that website yeah uh so yeah i just got a new website built uh in fact uh god works in in really cool ways a uh, girl that interned with me a few years ago um recently got married and her husband's a, a big computer guy. And so he helped me, uh, get this website up and going. So, which is great. Cause there's no way I would have, would have tackled that. Uh, but yeah, I it was, it's really cool. He got me this, um, and I've had the website domain for a while, but yeah, it's lionhorses.com and there's a contact me. There's a little bit of uh, stuff about the different clinics and, mm-hmm. and kind of the philosophy and that kind of stuff, uh, behind what I do. And yeah, um, I also got a uh, yeah Lion Horses uh, Facebook page if people want to contact me on there. Good stuff. Well, as we wrap every episode, we like to kind of hit up the life advice portion of the episode. So the way I typically pose a question is that if you were to give previous seasons or if you were to give yourself advice from previous seasons of your life, based on your knowledge and experience, what would be that life advice that you would share? 
Hmm. For I guess for life experience, I would tell my my younger self, uh, take each day as it comes and and try to be for I guess for me, I try to be a little bit more more diversified than than uh, I guess you can build your your talents or your skills either wider or higher, and I tend to go wider, so that's what I would. I guess that's what I tell them, the interns that come in. I, I tell them, you know, learn to do a lot of things fairly well instead of one thing. The really, best really in the good. World. Yeah. I yeah. Like that. And then, and then after, yeah. And then after you fig, after you're, uh, you have a pretty broad base of skills, then, then figure out a couple, three of them that you want to get really good at. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. you need to have a, a pretty, um, and then that, that, that'd probably be the, the skills one. Um, Probably the the lasting thing I would tell people is put your time and energy into into things that last instead of things that don't. So I try to put my time and energy into people and relationships. So, um, you know, the 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 horses I train and the people that I interact with, I try to put my focus into that because I know those are going to be lasting things that that make a significant difference in people's lives. So, you know, nobody's going to care what year of trailer I pull up in or what year of truck I'm driving or, you know, how much my saddle costs. They're going to, they're going to care about how I, I help them with their, their problem or, um, their horse and stuff like that. I, I've, uh, sold about five, four, I try to sell about, well, I don't say I try, but I, I normally sell about one horse every year or two. Mm -hmm. And, the, the last five I've um, since I really started selling them um, I know where they all are and they're and when I when I go through there I stop and see them and it's again rewarding to watch a horse that you've put that much time and energy into giving some person a really good relationship you know yeah. they're they're you know they're helping that kid win at the shows or or just being safer. Uh, you know, for some kids, uh, for some dad's daughter or whatever. And, um, you know, it's just cool to, to know that what, whatever you're doing is making a difference. It's, it's making a difference in that person or it's making a difference in that horse and giving them a, a better life. So for me, that's what I kind of try to focus on. It's incredible. It really is because you've been given such a diverse skill set, and, I mean, the life that you've lived is nothing short of a blessing. And we touched on literally the tip of the iceberg. I mean, if you think about jobs that you've had alone, I mean, that's probably three or four episodes. And then the different horses and hobbies. And it's uh, it's cool to see how that diverse skill set has influenced and focused your approach to horsemanship, but more importantly, your, your approach to people and seeing yeah. the actual value in it rather than a dollar sign or a transaction per se. Yeah. Well, I think God, God, uh, provides or, or, uh, leads us into whatever we're, we're called to do. And he, he qualifies us. And I think, you know, having that diversified experiences that I've had has, has qualified me to, to, or, or made me more qualified to do that job. And so I think, you know, looking back on my life now, I can see how he's said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have you do this here because it's going to come into, you know, it, it's going to be way more valuable later on than it is at the moment, but I'm preparing you with this skill that you're going to need later. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, man, it's so, so true. I have, I have so many previous chapters in my life that were less than desirable. And now in hindsight, being a little bit older and more mature, you see that there's incredible value and heck yes, there was a battle plan for why we had to do what we had to do. Yep. Um, to serve a purpose yep. and a need now. Yep. Dang, cool. Well, Mark, I can't thank you enough again for making time for us here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. And if there's anything that we can do to help support lion horsemanship and your growth and your clinic schedule, it, uh, it'd be our honor. And if and when you do return to Texas, we got to get caught up. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to come come hang out and uh, ride a little bit with you guys. And, Heck and yeah. thanks for all you guys are doing. Man, I love listening to your to your podcast and and uh yeah it's been cool to 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 see all of them really like the 
the the newest one you're doing with uh with jr man that yeah that one man it was that a, one's been cool it's it's again man it's been an honor and a blessing it was something that we never thought would be and uh jr and i have been together for a couple of years now having these conversations and it was time for us yep. to just step out on faith you know we do have a different perspective on things and we do have a little bit of a skill set in life that we've yep. lived and it's now time to take some of those lukewarm christians in the western industry and show them what their actual value is through god's eyes and kind of peel back some of the misnomers and the i wouldn't say untruthful portions of christianity but religion can have its way of ruining people and uh yeah we're just trying to show them again how to build that relationship right well i appreciate it yeah it's it's like it's fun it's yeah and that's something i kind of i don't know struggle but with is it's just i try to I try to be an example of what God's done in my life without being too preachy. And so I don't want to, I don't want to impose or preach at anybody, but I also want to be a, a example and a testimony to where God's moved in my life and what he's done. So, well, this is a stark um, yeah, reality in my, balance. Yeah, in my opinion, and people can take it or leave it, but there, there's plenty of yeah. people on this earth that'll preach it. And there's a significantly <laughs> less amount of people that will walk it and live it. Yeah, and uh, that's been my desire is that I, I don't yes I will share what God's done in my life with folks but I don't want to be one of these guys that's going to stand on a soapbox I want to be one of these guys that people look at and say man there's something different there and then yeah. when they ask that question yeah. I tell them why right yep. be, be the living example of it don't sit there and profess it and waste a bunch of hot air in my opinion but we're getting off on a tangent yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, man, we'll catch you on the next one again. I can't can't thank you enough and uh, super excited for all you got going on. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Yep. Thanks again for joining us here on Let Freedom Reign podcast. If you're looking to grow in the areas of leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship, please visit day6ranch.com to see all we have to offer in the form of free content, podcasts, and material related to building a legacy-worthy lifestyle.